0: tell me if you remember. Me if remember no telling if you remember
1: yeah i'll never forget i'll never forget yeah. welcome to the hashtag #altscene podcast the show focuses on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations communities and events Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Hashtag Cause a Scene podcast. I have a very special guest as we open up this new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Um, as we open up this new guest, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Could you please introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Hi, everybody. I am Tamara Temple. Um, some of you may know me on Twitter as T.A. Mouse or Mouse. Um, I am, uh, let's, let's say a well-seasoned, uh, tech developer, been around for a few decades, let's say. Um, and, uh, let's see. Um, I, I've done a lot of different things in my career, but the most important thing I think I have done is try to, uh, create a space for people to grow in and learn in and that sort of thing. Um, I have been recently involved with uh, Girl Develop It, which uh, probably many of you have heard about. Um, I am in Minneapolis, which is where the situation that kind of blew up uh, this summer happened. Um, And while not a chapter leader, uh, I'm considered sort of a leader, uh, mentor to many folks, teacher, that sort of thing. So when this happened, Uh, it really bothered me, and I wanted to figure out a way that I could get, make things better, make things inclusive, more available for everyone to enjoy and learn.
1: All right, so we've gotten a tease, and so I'm going to start with how I always start this podcast Asking you two questions. Why is it important to cause a scene? And how are you causing a scene?
0: Right. Okay. So um, I think it's important to cause a scene um, because white privilege is primarily concerned with how it looks, more so than actual change. White privilege has a tendency towards comfort, towards complacency, um, and really, I think, towards self soothing. So it's really, really easy, I think, for people to basically say, I'm, you know, give lip service, I'm trying, or I'm doing these things, or I have done these things and that kind of stuff without self examination to say, oh gosh, I really did not do that right. So the result really is a lot of dismissal, um, I'm going to say distortions of reality to match cognitive bias, big words, but that just means, hey, I'm going to make up whatever I want to make up so it feels right for me. Uh, A lot of self-justification and a lot of white tears, and the real result is no change happens. So that's why I think it's important to cause a scene, to keep people focused and aware and uh, basically keep striving towards change, towards a better world for all of us. So what am I doing? Okay. So first off, I'd say I'm not doing near enough. Um, I personally, you know, admit to those failings of white privilege, Um But the first thing I have to do is recognize my own complicity in that to say, yeah, yeah, I screwed up. Yeah, I need to get better and work at changing myself. So basically things like learning how to recognize white privilege, my own and others and where situations are happening where that is harming people and to step up Speak up, call it out, and make a scene. Make it, make it, uh, you know, keep it visible. Keep the pressure on, so we keep moving forward.
1: So we're going to tell a story here. So um, Tamara briefly spoke about Minneapolis, <laughs> and I want you to to tell a story because what the reason I'm bringing this up is um, Shanice was on the show a few weeks ago talking about her experience with GDI yep. Girl Development. And I wanted to make sure that people, because this is always the case. Um, She could be, they can just, as you were saying, dismiss our experiences and our voices because it's just us. Um, Whiteness is not affected by this. And you tell a different story because you were deeply affected by what was happening and what's happening to women of color, particularly black women in the communities. That you care about and your friends. And so tell a bit about how you came to me and then why did you come to me? What was your reasoning? How did you find me? How did, all of that, because sure. I need people to understand this is it's although not moving forward and, and not facing your complicity is, is an issue. The fact that you continue to harm others is a big issue. And it's not just harming people of color what whiteness is realizing is that white supremacy privilege is a parasite that is now eating on its host. Yes. And so you felt that pain. So talk about what that was.
0: So um, so I've been following you particularly on Twitter for quite some time, uh, over a year for sure. Uh, and so, you know, I, I have heard your... I don't know. I'm going to use the word spiel. I don't know what else to, to call it, you know? It, the, the things that are important to you, the things that you're trying to put on in the space and that kind of stuff. But I wasn't engaged, right? Um, the incident that happened towards the end of August of this year here at the GDI Minneapolis chapter was a huge surprise to me. And the fact that it was a surprise to me bothered me more than bothered. It was painful. Okay. Um, I I see injustice in the world and it does personally hurt, like viscerally hurt. Okay. But to have it happen here, sort of, I'm I'm not going to say my backyard, it's actually in my front yard. Okay. In, in, in my, you know, maybe in my living room kind of thing. Right. Um, And not be aware that it was happening, not be cognizant of the problems that were going on, meant that I had not been listening. And that was my primary complicitness to say that, you know, hey, I haven't noticed it. I'm someone who can say something about it. But it was a complete uh, blank to me. Okay. So at that point, I knew I had to make a change. I knew I had to do something different. And uh, I just kind of hit you up one day and said, hey, is this something that we can do? Um, And I, I, you know, I initially asked sort of for myself and I thought maybe it's something we can do for the group. But then it was like, no, you know, this is something I personally need. I personally need coaching. I personally need guidance. I personally need someone to show me what the heck is going on and what I can do to improve. Give me some homework, give me some directions, give me some feedback, that kind of stuff.
1: So you reached out. Um You yes. know, it's interesting because you weren't the only. It was like my DMs were blowing up at that point hmm. um, from Minneapolis. And um and as I said, it wasn't just Girl Develop It. Someone from the Minnesota chapter, Minneapolis chapter of uh, Women Who Code reached out to me at the same time because they were having an issue. And so it was really becoming apparent to me that Minnesota Nice was pretty damn nasty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that many of us, I think, are aware that that's the case, that what Minnesota Nice is, is passive aggressiveness
1: and and when you say that that is the same thing that Shanice said about girl development mm. how their standard their their standard um, mode of communication was passive aggressiveness yeah and that is something that I find very indicative of white women period um, black women are more direct um, we can be passive aggressive to our w- with, amongst ourselves. But in the professional situation, we are pretty direct yeah. because we've learned that if we don't, no matter how we ask for something, it's always going to be turned against us in some kind of way. So we might as well just ask what the hell we want right. um, so that that's then we don't have to get around to the passive aggressive stuff. We can just yeah. get that out of the way because no matter what tone I use, no matter what words I say, no matter how I construct my argument. I'm always um, defensive. I'm always angry. I'm always attacking mm-hmm. all these words that um, are indicative of white women not being able to manage their own emotions and then putting that off and making that responsibility of, of the person who challenges them, even if it's in a supervisory role. So it's yeah. very interesting to see that.
0: And this is a thing too, that I didn't even realize that it was a, a, a pretty much a white thing. I mean, Minnesota is pretty white, okay? I get that, okay? Um, but, you know, I spent most of my life in California, okay? Which is much more uh, integrated and diverse and that kind of thing. Um, you know, it's still, still very much, you know, uh, white sort of dude bro population amongst the Silicon Valleyites and that sort of thing, right? But even so, there... I have valued directness of communication more than any other sort, because then I have a sense of I know what they're asking for. I know what they really want. I can say whether I can deliver that or not. Right. And the passive aggressiveness is like, oh, this is I can't deal with this.
1: Well, it's interesting that you use the word integrated because that is such that's that's a code word because we really aren't expected to integrate because that would be inclusion. What we're actually expected to do is assimilate. And that means to take on whiteness in our professional lives and to put aside our who we are. That's why the whole thing about code switching, how um I was, I was specifically, what was I, was I at Google? Yes, I was at Google when I was in San Francisco mm-hmm. and I was having a conversation and I was meeting someone for breakfast and a black woman came by and we just gave eye contact and there was an immediate smile. And the person I was sitting with noticed that because she was a white woman. And those are the things that we do. It was the instant connection that I see you because no one else here sees you and I recognize your humanity because we're expected not to be integrated into the system. We're expected to assimilate. And when you integrate, that means the system has to change to accept who and what we are. And it does not. And that's what I've seen with the uh, gl- Girl Develop It fiasco. Um, there was- so I just,
0: I wanna jump in, you, okay? Go, mm-hmm. Because I wanna say that is an excellent distinction. And I thank you for that distinction. I I, I agree with your definition. I think what i meant to say in that was that it's assimilating it's becoming like you know you have to you have to transform yourselves to fit into the hegemonic society that's trying to you know whatever do something and that kind of thing but not integrate not integrate you are yeah it's, it it's,
1: it's that's a def- that's the default the default yeah. is whiteness the default is Um, This is how, I mean, people don't realize how much emotional labor we have as people of color, just growing. I mean, just from a childhood, we walk out the house, not, okay. I'm not even going to talk about that. We're going to, I'm going to talk about professional. Sure. Going, starting school, we are told, uh, particularly if we come from middle class upbringings, how much harder we have to work just to be in, to get anywhere near. Whiteness. No one says it that way, and that's why I love being in twenty eighteen, where I can actually <laughs> articulate this, these, these nomencl nomenclatures that our parents have told us, these lessons yes. that our parents have taught us um, about, and because they never exactly say why, we just knew we had to be better. Right. So to get in the door, to even be taken seriously we have more degrees, we have more experience, we have all of these things, and yet we're still required to put aside our humanity, those things that make us us, and, um, and come in as whiteness. I mean, just the video this week of, the, now this, when this airs, it'll be next week, so, this, so let me say, the video last week of the young wrestler, who was made yes. to, to cut his dreadlocks to wrestle. How the hell does that have to do with what the hell does that do with wrestling? But I, not only, um, everybody wants to talk about the coach. I mean, the referee. Yeah, he was an asshole. And he has a history of racist behavior that should have been addressed. But every adult in that space that allowed that to happen was complicit. And this is the part that no one wants to talk about. Right. So we look at GDI um we i saw a lot of people saying oh my god these chapter leaders oh my god i can't believe this is going on this has been going on and you were you allowed this to happen yes you allowed this to happen so you can so as as some chapter leaders were retweeting the podcast and making their comments i was getting dms at that time from community members in those locations saying hey that chapter leader that just did that is doing the same shit to us right. that national has been doing right. so this is why this stuff is important this is why these conversations are important this is why i'm happy that you felt safe enough to come on this show and talk about this because these aren't isolated incidents these are not one-offs these are not one or two white they people not. this is how this organization was built this is how when you're looking at the chapter leaves it was all white women um this is how this happens and so people say oh i don't know this yeah. is how this happens yes
0: Yes, it is. It is the uh, the the way things are done in this seems to be in this world of white privilege is kind of like, you know, the, the, we, we we set the tone, we set the pace, we decide how things are happening. And we're just going to keep promoting people that look like us and act like us and sound like us and all that kind of stuff, which is like, no, that is like so perpetuating this uh, this. Yeah, I don't know. Um, oppression. Um, I know I, I'm, I'm using all these sort of like, you know, tone words or code words or things like that. Um, but these are very visceral to me. These are very real in the sense that when we as white people just do our thing to, you know, without any real sense of consciousness or um, uh, real sense of, you know, examining ourselves and how we're doing things, it's just going to keep perpetuating this and perpetuating this, and it's going to go on forever. And it has to change. All right, it, is it is, it is. it is going to change.
1: Well, why do you say it has to change? How, well, tell me, tell, tell me why it. Why do you think it has to change? Because I can say why it has to change because it affects me as a black woman. But why do yeah. you? Why is a person who has all the privilege? Why does it have to change? Because it hurts. Why do you care? Because it's not hurting. Because this is the this is the this is the argument we're getting. It's really not affecting white people unless they choose to 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 connect with us. I don't know. So it's like I'm forever, I'm forever getting. Yeah. But I'm married to a black person or a person of color, or I have mixed race kids. But you're saying and doing racist shit. So why is it important? I need you to di- tell us why is this important? Why do you care?
0: I yeah, I don't know how to say it other than for me, it hurts viscerally very much so it's a real pain it's like knives in my heart does it does it affect me in any way in sense of like my ability to uh earn a living or uh you know you know buy the shit on amazon that i want or you know that kind of thing no but does it affect me in terms of walking through the world having my friends report these things. Um, Even even people who I don't know as friends, people like this wrestler, okay? I look at that and it just makes me cry, okay? So I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a selfishness in that in the sense that I want to not feel that pain. And I think for a lot of folks, it's sort of like they can turn it off, but I can't. I don't know if this is something that's just going to ever relate to anyone else, but this is how I deal with it, how I feel about it.
1: I don't really think a lot of people, you said turn it off. I don't think a lot of people have even turned it on.
0: That may be true.
1: Because it's because it's no, I'm just speaking because it, this is why I was happy there wasn't a blue wave. This is why I keep saying whiteness needs to feel more pain because they haven't turned it on until it, they're really, really uncomfortable. And this is just life. Most people will not change because it's something they want to do. Most change, significant, impactful change happens because it's something they have to do. Yes. Yes. And so with the political climate we have, with the social climate we have, and this is not just the U.S., this is globally, because we're seeing it, it globally. It is. It took the spaces, of people who are who are in power who have used that power to subjugate and oppress and to harm and 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 violate others feel because you'll never feel our pain you'll never get to that level of pain no no but until you feel something that makes you move it's not your concern again it's why are we why are we assimilating why aren't we it's our it's it's our fault
0: Right, Um, right.
1: um, I can show over and over again videos of black men and women being beat by police and yet white people. Like I just showed a video this week that's out on the Internet of the white guy who stole the police car, stole the stuff. He was getting stun gun and everything. And they still arrested him without incident. Not one shot fired, not one fucking shot fired. Right. But a black person turns to run because historically we know that our lives are in danger we're dead and it's our fault because we ran it's our fault because we were just dis- we our tone was disrespectful it's our fault because of all these things and then today or st- yesterday there's this resistance a- uh, awards or some shit that's out there and none of the people who
0: okay this is i haven't seen this yet so i don't know what you're talking about
1: yeah. I'm just speaking. There's this, um, there's this, <laughs> this, this, this guy who had four people who were nominated for the resistance of the year award or something right there. What? Yeah. And not one of them were people, oh, it was a person of color.
0: Oh yeah. Of course.
1: Um, and when he was called out, his ex his, ex, his, his reasoning was just white women's, I mean, just white fragility all over the place. And it's that thing. It's like, so even in our pain, even in the struggles that we have to take every day just to, just to be stay alive and to function and be professional in this, this forced assimilation we still yeah. don't get credit. You still, whiteness no. still takes credit for it. Everything you've right. learned about anti-racist had to come from a person who has experienced racism because you have no knowledge of it.
0: None whatsoever. I, I want to I put in, I read Ta-Nehisi Coates' book, Between the World and Me, okay? That is an absolute stunning, stunning book that I think every white person has to read until you can read that book and see from his point of view about how Black people have no ownership of their physical self in this world. And the sense that, oh my God, we are doing that to people. That is utter slavery. We have not ended slavery. Exactly,
1: thank you for that. Please say that again.
0: We have not ended slavery.
1: To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag
0: causethescene.com. that. Please say that again. We have not ended slavery.
1: Because our country was, our country economic and societal norms have, were based on the justification of white supremacy. Yes. And the eradication of indigenous people and the enslavement of um, Africans. Yes. This is 2018 and we're still dealing with the ramifications of that. And this is why, and I'm glad you brought this up because we cannot ignore the historical perspective of which we have these conversations. And this is why the GDI and how they've handled it is an epic fail because what they want to say is, and what they have said is, we're sorry, let's move forward. You cannot move forward until you've addressed the harm that has been done to people in very real ways. That
0: is true. There is no trust. There is nothing there. No, the let's move forward is, oh, let's forget all the crap we did to you and just let's be friends, you know. And it's kind of like that old Care Bears kind of thing. It's like it is not real. It is It is absolutely not Real, but it's
1: real for whiteness because that's what you're used to. Well, yeah, you're used to doing shit, and we are, and we, and we say because our livelihood, our physical safety, mm-hmm. all of mm-hmm. those depends on us mm-hmm. sucking it up, taking all that 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 toxicity, all that trauma, and sitting mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you wonder why we're dying at the risk that so we're at heart disease and yeah. stroke because of all these things that we sit on on a daily basis. And so, yet again, you want us to say, yeah. "Hey, right, we, my bad." No. Let's move forward.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm, it's not funny. I'm not really laughing because it's funny. I, I think I'm laughing because it's so sad. and so maddening.
1: And I know you. You're laughing because it's uncomfortable as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I want to talk, talk about our relationship now. All right. So um, the first assignment I gave you was because you came to me. And I'm always, again, people know I distrust, if you don't know, I distrust whiteness by default. Right. Um whiteness all whiteness is racist just because of the situations and the norms and 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 the things that you were raised in whether you consciously admitted or not. Um and it's also anti-black. So I refuse to have my time wasted. So um I al- I'm always getting someone in my DMs, Kim, can you help me? But when I attach a price to it, I don't hear from them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When I attach a, um accountability to it, I don't hear from them. Um, Mm -hmm. and so the first, so you reached out to me after this incident, recognizing that you were totally oblivious to the harm being caused to someone you really care about. Yeah. And I listened and I said, okay, if this is something you, um, interested in, I get sent you my, my prices. So talk, tell, tell us about the conversation we had afterwards about what you thought about my prices.
0: Uh, (laughs) I was extremely happy. I didn't have to tell you to raise them.
1: And talk, talk to me, talk to, because I'm, you talk to the audience. Why, why, what, what, what does that mean to
0: you? So, th- so what I was seeking was professional guidance to help coach me in terms of improving my own uh, ability to see, see racism, see oppression in the, in the communities around me, instead of just sort of like when it's blasted in your face on, Facebook or Twitter, or any of those kinds of things, but to actually like real people. Okay. And before the fact that it hurts. Okay. So that's what I was seeking. Right. Okay. To get a price quote. Um, and, you know, uh, are, are we going to talk about the price?
1: Oh, you can talk about it because it's going up in 2019. So go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Okay. So f- f- this is f- uh, for five hours of consultation. Um, was $1,500. And I think, up, uh, you know, to me, that's like $300 an hour for a professional consultant is just basic ballpark. That's what people should be charging for this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, I think people look maybe at the idea that, oh, you know, you're on Twitter, and you have DMs. And we live in this sort of like, you know, hey, I'll just like give information out for free and stuff like that, but no, you want someone who is going to work for you, who has done a background of research, who has a background of knowledge and understanding in working with people, working with individuals as well as groups to be able to give you really good guidance, feedback, and uh, that costs money. That costs real money, and the value of that is that displacing that. I, you know, it's like, where am I going to find that someplace else? Okay, uh, I'm not going to find it on Wikipedia. I'm not going to find it. You know, even if I read all the the textbooks and things like that that someone could read, I'm not going to get it because it's not personal. It's not going to be someone. It, you know, it's just. It is it is a, a concentrated, highly effective engagement that gave me exactly what I wanted. And that was worth that much money, if not more. I mean,
1: oh, it's going to be more. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before I even engaged you see, this is and this is another thing. So people always so, you know, there was an incident with someone. Um, question my uh, my ethics because I accept money for the work that I do. Um, (sighs) I don't know why...
0: you accept money for work. Oh, my god! Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> and why I should volunteer my time when Wells Fargo needs their mortgage paid. <laughs> oh. Um, oh. But even, even with that, mm-hmm. when people, if you think that I'm doing it for the money, you're out of your fucking rabbit ass mind. Because before I even took you on as a client, you had an assignment to do. What was that assignment?
0: Well, see, what I needed to do was I needed to figure out what my outcomes were in engaging you. I had to be very clear on what I wanted out of this engagement and why I wanted it.
1: And how long did it take you to figure that out? Um, Because I'm trying to give a – I'm trying to place – because I don't do – everybody wants to ask me, so do you have a program? No, I don't do a program. What I gave – what um, Tamara paid for was not um, five hours of consulting. What she actually pays for – was 5 hours of needs assessment. Yes. We, I haven't even given her a program. No, that's it very was, true. I,
0: that's very true. It was
1: it was a needs assessment to find out where she was and what she really needed cuz I have a master's degree in training and anybody in the organization knows that the first thing people want to do is create a training for something and more times than not there is no tr- there what they're tra- the problem they're having is not a training problem. It's a it's a um, usually a leadership problem <laughs> or a communications problem which is not about training. No. So this is my and I'm saying this because I'm always getting pushback as if the per- information I, I give enough free information and I give free information that I want to give. So, again, don't ask me if you've seen something to provide more because I got enough out there. So if you want something, you need to go research it. And if you want something additional, it's going to cost you money and it's going to cost you money that fits my level of expertise and my level of, of, of customization and innovation and different differentiation because I can tell you, I don't know what other people are doing, but ain't nobody doing what the hell Kim's doing and doing it like Kim is doing it.
0: I'm no, doing no, like no. Him. I want to speak to that. I want to speak to that loudly. It is what I got from Kim is not like, you know, here, uh, here's like 17,000 links and books and stuff you can read and, or even like lectures on information and things like that. What I got was consulting. What I got was someone who would listen to my questions think about them, think about what I said I wanted as an outcome, and give me feedback that was clear, concise, actionable, and also moving forward homework to work on for the next step and things like that. It was not uh, you know, here's a here's a program. Here's a you know five hours of classroom lecture or you know anything like that. This was personal contact. This is personal consulting. This is what it. This is why it costs so much more because that is a hell of a lot of work. Um, and yeah, and the
1: emotional, uh, the emotional labor we're dealing with white people on a daily basis is a yeah, hell yeah. a lot of work.
0: <laughs> yes. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> oh, no reason to apologize. Is I've created a business for myself. I have absolutely no problem with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also get to. Cu- I also get to pick my clients. Right, and that's why there is homework. That was why um, you needed to figure out for yourself because you only have five hours right? and I'm not gonna, you're not going to rope me into the, you know, what usually happens in consulting, you quote somebody a price it for 10 hours or something and it's end up 20 hours of work. There's no way in hell I was going to do that because right. this is a lot mm-hmm. more than setting up somebody's systems and all this other stuff. So you have to be very clear, um, upfront about what you want and we have to stay on track. Yes.
0: That. Yes. And I think too, for other people who wish to engage, in this sort of thing, you have to be extremely honest with yourself about what you want out of this. Okay. Why is it important to you to engage someone at this level? I mean, you know, this is true for anybody who's engaging anyone as a professional, personal consultant kind of thing. But in this space, especially, especially if you're white, you got to think long and hard. This is not about feeling good. This is not about putting it under the carpet. This is not about that uh, thing we talked about with the passive aggressiveness is like, oh, I tried, you know. <laughs> did that work? <laughs> Does that ever work? No, did
1: that work with us? Let's give that as an example. The the time you came and you didn't do your homework. Oh what, yeah. What
0: happened? Well, okay. I mean, I felt bad. Okay,
1: okay, that's fine, but that doesn't mean anything. What happened as a professional? Did we spend our whole time together?
0: Um, I'm having to think back into what we actually did.
1: Did we spend an hour together, or no?
0: No, we did not. That was about a twenty-minute call. Exactly,
1: because you had not done what you were asked to do, and I don't right. have time to waste. And did no. I give you any refund on your money?
0: Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> um, I wasn't expecting to even think about that. I mean,
1: and, no, that's I, I, on I, me. I, and this is where, I, and this is where. And I I didn't expect you to. But I'm I'm saying all these things because these are questions that get asked. Yes. These are these microaggressions that I hear all the time. These why this and why you're doing that and how you and how can. No, no, no. My style is very much great classroom management. I was given always given the worst behaving, quote unquote, for other people, students, because I can manage their behavior. Um, there were certain things that um, I was always respectful, uh, but they were v- I was very clear on what my boundaries were and what my expectations were. And that allowed them to know safely where they could push or where they, where, where, um, they could yes. make mistakes um, and, and, and not be ridiculed or held against them. It creates, a, it creates us, um, a sense of safety, emotional safety that we all need to grow.
0: Yeah. Um, and I see I want to say that, you know, it, for me, it was a tremendous amount of appreciation that it was just, it was a no bullshit style, which I just very much appreciated. And that's the sort of thing, which is like, if you are going to engage in a professional consultant, You don't want them to baby you around. You don't want them to say, oh, it's okay and we'll just keep doing our thing and that sort of thing. It's like, you know, no, right? You said you're gonna do this. You need to be accountable for it. And you do not make the person that you're hiring responsible for basically making you feel comfortable.
1: And that's what I want to speak to because even with the work that I do that's free, that's out on social media. you hit you hit the nail on the head there what i give is what i choose to give right. and how i engage is how i choose to engage yes. um you can't make me engage beyond or anything that i want to engage in and when i have something to say i'm going to be very clear about it and i'm not going to be concerned about your discomfort mm-hmm. because people of color black people in the united states um indigenous communities native communities in the united mm-hmm. states have been uncomfortable since whiteness came Mm -hmm. here since whites colonized the world we've all been uncomfortable and so um so i just want to read you something that i just saw on twitter and this is very interesting to me because there is this this, so there's this guy who um who kind of got mad at me because i told him um he was like he wants to ask me more questions and i was like no um, now I'm not going to ask you, uh, answer your questions, but what I did put it out there was I crowdsourced it. I was like, Hey, community, can someone help this person? Because this is a legitimate concern. You know, where do I get more information? And then, um, and I said, let's make Sunday impactful by learning how whiteness can lend its Privileged platform and voices without speaking over or silencing the vulnerable, and so one of the people in the community reached out to him to talk to talk mm-hmm. to him, and she says, List, the listening part often gets messed up with expecting people of color to teach us individually. We don't have to ask our friends or acquaintances to give us free lessons. There are books, news, um, newsletters, podcasts, etc., out there these days." And his response, and this is so typical, agreed. I think white people get tripped up when people of color volunteer education in one of these of those forms and white people take it as an invitation for discussion only to be rebuked. Okay, that right there says that you're taking this personally. You've been rebuked. That is such a religious term right there being rebuked on on one hand. It's no one's job to handhold. On the other hand, so much is at stake. That if we don't nurture, uh, if we don't nurture people of uh, white people's curious, I mean, casual interest, that's my problem. The fact that it's a casual interest to white people, it was, and he doesn't even see that the fact that you even wrote that it's a casual interest to you. But for me, it's life of fucking death. So I don't get you don't get to tell me how i engage with you what you learn from me because yes again i'm glad he's honest about it. it's a fucking casual interest it's something like oh do i want to w- watch football today oh do i want to watch basketball today do i want to wash my ass today that's what it is yes. and, oh wow and that's how most white people most privileged individuals approach this this um this this topic, this subject, and this is why my prices are what they are and they're going to go up because I have to put a bullshit yes. tax on my yes. prices yes. because I'm yes. dealing with bullshit every single fucking day. And this is why I don't block people because you need to see the shit that I'm dealing with every day. The level of privilege, the level of audacity. I just don't understand the audacity of some people to say, oh, on the one hand so he has so he's going to argue and this is what's what's the problem right now when we have people who want to listen to Steve Bannon and uh, and Jim Jones whatever the hell is Alex Jones and all these other people because again for whiteness it's about equality it's about uh, equal speech it's about equal time for us because we've never have a, had a voice if you do not prioritize the voices of the marginalized there is no conversation if you cannot make the safe safe the space safe for me, there is no conversation. So for this person, it's on the one hand, um, it's not somebody else's job to hold my hand. But on the other, because there's another hand, uh, since Paul White, since the you know, the, the great white, white folks, folks have so many hands. Yes. It's the great white saviors want to help because they have a passing curiosity. It's our responsibility as, as the oppressed, as the, as the victims of their bullshit to take whatever time we're supposed to have to help you learn. This is the shit right there. That is the problem.
0: Yeah. There was a quote, uh, Toni Morrison, I think made this quote. Uh, Oh man. I'm I don't have it at my hands. Um, but it's just about how much energy it takes, continual energy, just to keep standing, just to respond to the bullshit, just to like, even even in just like the face of, of uh, you know, casual interest. You know that sense of you know you keep asking me you keep asking and you keep asking it takes energy to respond to that and it's just because you're white and I'm black and there and there's a level of <laughs> expect I mean they get p-
1: pissed off yeah. when I don't respond yeah. back that's oh what's God. funny to me you're not gonna yes end. they get like how dare you I was in the conversation uh-huh. no you 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 may have been in the conversation but the conversation ended when I chose for the damn conversation to end I'm done yeah now if you're not done that's something you need to do with i'm not i don't have to engage with you but that's what's been the norm for so long yeah it
0: is. yeah can i read this quote yes please okay this is tony morrison who very famous author color purple all that kind of stuff right what is racism okay it's important therefore to know who the real enemy is and to know the function the very serious function of racism which is distraction it keeps you from doing your work It keeps you explaining over and over again your reason for being. Somebody says you have no language, so you spend 20 years proving that you do. Somebody says your head isn't shaped properly, and so the scientists you have working on the fact that it is. Somebody says that you have no art, so you have to dredge that up too. Somebody says you have no kingdoms, and so you have to dredge that up too.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's it's always us going back to have to prove that we existed, that we had some <laughs> oh, something to do with civilization.
0: And it's not just the the fact that all human beings walked out of Africa, right? The fact that that was there. For millennia and independent development of that, you know, it's not just, oh, because the Europeans are kind of like, you know, all crammed together and ended up, you know, building technology and stuff like that. That doesn't make anything else irrelevant
1: and it speaks to and it speaks to all you know when you have the i always forget that dude's name because he's so irrelevant to me the google guy the google manifesto guy oh and yeah then, i don't know and then you have we don't need to say his name yeah exactly then you have like the 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 Columbia university guy who was ranting and raving about how great whiteness is um and now he's he's monetizing that and people don't have a problem with that um and you have all these other things because Tony Morrison is right. It's like our starting point. We can never just look forward because we're always having to go back to prove and to justify our very existence.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's like that is as they say, the function of racism is distraction.
1: Yeah, oh, exactly. And it's the same thing with civility. Oh my God. I'm so happy you said that the function of racism, because that is why it's like we manage our own behavior. I tell people all the time, look at, go think of, th- close your eyes and think about when you go to a restaurant and this will be some of you white folks. Cause y'all got these kids. Mm-hmm. See black kids. They are sitting next to their parents. They might be on a device, but they are sitting next to. Their, what are white kids do? They are running a fucking round, tearing up shit because they have been taught since infancy that that space, every space they go to, is theirs. And their parents are concerned about them being hurt or being stolen or being a breaking things. Um, look at the. If you look, saw the video a few months back of the little boy at the museum. His parents were sitting on the thing, and he was running around like a terror and and tore down a $30,000 vase, and the parents got pissed because they got a fucking bill.
0: Okay, I missed that one, but But it doesn't surprise me.
1: It doesn't surprise me. They got pissed because the the museum charged them for him destroying fucking art.
0: I hope they got a fucking big bill.
1: (laughs) It was $30,000.
0: That's not enough.
1: Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that thing. And so when you tell me you have a casual interest, hell no, I'm not giving you my fucking time because I have enough things to do. You have to prove to me that my time, it means something, is of value to you. And that's why you're going to pay for it. And that's why you're going to do fucking homework because I my time is valuable.
0: The color of my skin, the privilege I have, does not justify any sense of time investment from anyone else. There is a, a, this, this sort of global expectation that I can walk through the world and just demand things because of who I am and the color of my skin. Yep. And that is
1: fucking wrong. That's, and, that's, and this is the thing that whiteness does not want to face. This is the thing that they want to say, but not all white people. Yes, all white people yes all white people even the ones who work in every day to to be anti-racist you walk into space and i walk in space. until that changes when both of us walk into space and we get treated the same there is no there is no end game to this no and whiteness has a lot of fucking work to do
0: yeah
1: it is not a casual interest
0: no and anyone who says it is
1: is 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 the problem
0: Yeah, this is the phrase that where weeding your own garden comes in. I think, you know, having a garden that you are going to get sustenance from takes work. You can't just, you know, throw out some seeds and wait till (laughs) August or September and go expect to pick your tomatoes or, you know, carrots or whatever and that kind of stuff. You have to be in there every day, making sure things are growing. You have to make sure that the weeds that are coming up, you have to pull those out. This is what the work of ending racism is. Continual attention, continual uh, self-awareness. I mean, you know, no one can walk to the world in a completely 100% mindful state. You know, we got to come yeah. back to it. Yeah, But yeah. we got to try and we got to come back to it every single moment we can.
1: So before we end, I wanted you to talk about, so what did, so we talked about um, your, why you came to me, Yeah. what that experience was like, was working with me. Um, What, let's, let's, this is your last session. <laughs> so yeah, let's yeah. talk about, <laughs> so let's talk about, let's do a feedback. Give me feedback on what this, what this experience has been for you.
0: Yeah. So this experience has been pretty much exactly what I wanted and hoped for in the sense that it would give me someone uh, who could, you know, break through my bullshit uh, and be able to tell me truly, honestly, what is, what, you know, what I'm doing or not doing, uh, as the case may be.
1: I want to stop you right there because I didn't, we didn't talk about one of your first assignments were us to attend the All Black Conference.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I mean, that was actually super fun. So this is the the inaugural Blacks and in Technology Conference was held here in Minneapolis, Minneapolis and St. Paul. They covered both both cities, which was really that was very cool. Um, and initially, I I mean, I I had known about it for months. Initially, I wasn't going to sign up because I felt I would be Imposing on that space as another white person, and I didn't want to perpetuate that kind of thing. Kim said, "No, your assignment is to go to that and to experience what it's like to be the minority in, a, you know, a, a, a different world."
1: To be in an event that was not created for your comfort.
0: Yeah, thank you. And it was it was super super interesting to me. And can I talk about what I... I yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I've been to several conferences which, you know, were designed more for my comfort, shall we say, okay? And the majority of the people being, you know, white, And not that there were no black people or no other people of color and things like that, but you could look at the talks and see just a sea of white people, Okay. And, you know, also, you know, pretty much a sea of male people, male, white male people. Okay. So given that, right, going to this conference, the distinctions I noticed primarily were around the sense of raising the entire community, helping, um, neighborhoods, helping each other, um, Caring about each other more so than in any other conference I've been to, uh, the, the the distinctions of uh, the other conferences, a lot of the talks are fairly about self-aggrandizement, if I could use that word, um, the sense that, you know, hey, I'm doing this cool thing and you should too kind of thing, right? Okay. Whereas in the Blacks and Technology, the talks I sat through and the people I talked to and that kind of thing, it was all about, hey, you know, I've got this project going on, which is working in this neighborhood and this thing that's happening over here in these schools. And, um, yeah, we're having this entrepreneur session. It's going to help each other. You know, it's just that sense of like we're in this together and we got to help each other.
1: And it was a lot less about technology and more about humanity and how how we're using... It was a
0: technology conference. Let's be clear. It was a technology yeah, conference. Yeah,
1: No, it was a technology conference, but it was how we're using technology to solve social and, and yeah. community problems. Yeah. It wasn't just, just talking about a language no. or a new platform or a new framework and, right. and how you do these these hacks and all that. It was how we're using how communities of color, how communities of marginalized individuals are leveraging technology to solve mm-hmm. problems that Other people aren't solving for us.
0: Yes. So, I mean, (laughs) I'm glad I went. I talked to uh, Sharon Vickers uh, really early on in the conference. She is the uh, City of St. Paul Chief Technology Officer, for those who don't know who Sharon Vickers is. And she's a very, very lovely person. And she said, I told her that same thing. I didn't feel like it would be my place to come. She says, no, no, no. We, We are inclusive. We appreciate you being here.
1: And the difference is you were uh, your whiteness is always um, included or accepted in our stuff as long as you don't take over. And that's what whiteness always does. It tries to take over. You can't come into our spaces and think you're you are the expert of our stories. So I really want to give you commend you for that, because that was um, because that was not her assignment was not only to go but to pick out certain um, talks that she wanted to go to and to tell me why and what she thought she was going to get out of them. And then we debriefed that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, okay. Continue with your, um, with your feedback. That was, I just realized we hadn't talked about yeah, yeah, that yeah, big yeah, yeah, assignment. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Um, I have to say this has been one of the most profound experiences I've had in my later life. I mean, I've had a lot of profound experiences earlier in my life, but, you know, for the last 20 years, it's been just sort of grinding on tech and, you know, I mean, yeah, there's stuff that goes on and that kind of thing. But in terms of changing me, in terms of actually making a difference in my life so that I can make a difference in the world, this has been the most profound thing I've done in, I'll say, two decades.
1: Well. So on that...
0: She's smiling big, guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's 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 what this work is for me. I've tried to walk away from it and I can't. Yeah. And so the fact that... No,
0: this one's got you. Yeah, this one's yeah, definitely got yeah. you.
1: <laughs> and the fact that um, I'm making an impact. And yeah. you can call it arrogant, you can call it whatever. I'm proud of the work I do, just like anybody else who goes to their job and, and does a good job and is proud of what they do. I'm proud that I'm able to help white people because I tell them all the time when I'm doing my my job is to make white people uncomfortable because until you're uncomfortable, nothing changes.
0: If and that s- is arrogance, that is authentic arrogance. That is due just arrogance. That is not anything that and you should be. You know, no one can put you down for that.
1: They try, but I don't give a fuck.
0: <laughs> oh, I know, but that's that fucking distraction. <laughs>
1: exactly, again. exactly, exactly. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. Um, any last
0: words? Um, if you have any idea that you want to get better yourself about learning how to recognize disinclusion, exclusion, Uh, any of those kinds of things in your own life or in your organizations or anything like that. If you want to get better, engage Kim.
1: Well, thank you. That's the best commercial I could ever have.
0: And if you look at yourself and say, no, I'm not ready. That's okay. Okay. Because you're not ready. You can't make yourself ready. Like on the instant you have to work to it. But I will say this, weed your garden. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Call the Scene podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Call the Scene movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Call the Scene community. Just visit the website at hashtag to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Call the Scene, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.